Welcome to Take Me to the Cloud, a place for business professionals to hear insights and best practices from industry experts that combine cloud systems, operations, supply chain, and finance. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us on another episode of Take Me to the Cloud. I'm your host, Melissa Holton. In today's topic, we are discussing some tips on how to master the year-end close. Here to weigh in on the topic is my co-host today, Eric Lowe, manager with them in the Oasis team. Hi, Eric. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Since you're new to our podcast, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your position here at Witham? Sure. I'm a manager in our outsourced accounting services department, or as we like to refer to it as uh, Oasis. And I've been at the firm for close to four years. Most of my clients are a mix of technology and consumer products. Awesome. Well, we are happy to have you. As everyone knows, the end of the year is quickly approaching and companies will begin to wrap up their books and prepare for the new year ahead. Eric, are there some areas that businesses can focus on to ensure that they have a smooth close process? Sure. I just posted an article on our website just outlining a few areas. Just to recap them, the points I identified, which I'll go through, are extended close period, reconciliation of all your bank credit card investment accounts, customer receivables, prepaid expense check, fixed asset reconciliation, review of the accounts payable aging, just a more in-depth analysis of, you know, the income statement and balance sheet, and just a 1099 vendor assessment. So I guess I could kind of go back and unpack it a little bit more and go through kind of one by one. So The extended close period, that's, you know, a longer window of time can ensure greater accuracy. So, you know, during the month and close periods throughout the year, management may have deadlines that require the books to be closed more quickly. But unfortunately, when you have to close quickly, you often have to sacrifice some level of accuracy and include more estimates. You know, for example, some bills come in late, particularly vendors that provide professional services that bill later, particularly, you know, legal bills, often they bill in arrears. And, you know, so I do a lot of closes, monthly closes throughout the year where we accrue estimates for these vendors since we have to close prior to receipt of those bills. So, you know, for year end, you know, since accuracy and cutoff become more crucial, it's better for management to allow for a longer period of time, you know, wait for all of the bills, related to the period to come in to avoid having to to make as many accrual estimates and allow additional time for, you know, extra level of review and scrutiny before officially closing out the year. What kind of time frame does that look like? Just an extra, a whole extra month or? Yeah, I mean, it depends a little bit based on the client and their deadlines, but, and it also depends on, you know, certain vendors and when they get, get them their bills. But yeah, I would, I would say, on average, if you have a client that usually closes around mid-month, 15th to 20th, I think it's good to at least put it towards the very end of the month, like at the end of, if you close, if you have a year-end, December 31st year-end to close at, at least one full month after close on average. What about um, the reconciliation of accounts? What's, what's important yeah, there? So, you know, obviously throughout the year, you know, you want to be reconciling your 
all your bank, your credit card, investment accounts, like every account every month that should be done. But year end is really a good opportunity to take additional time and review any uncleared items. I mean, really the only uncleared items that are more than a couple days old should be checks for companies that actually still issue physical checks. Since, you know, a lot of companies, there are a lot of companies that'll just do wires and ACH, but you know, for any, for companies that still issue checks, you know, if they've been, if they've still been outstanding and still uncleared for several months, you know, that's a good time to assess that and management should really reach out to those vendors and make a determination if the checks need to be reissued or voided. Mm-hmm. The next item I, I identified was the customer receivables. And, you know, this is a good opportunity for management to analyze all their receivables that they have at year end and determine how much of the balance is potentially no longer fully collectible, you know, because customers often have, you know, on average, some, some re- receivables that they don't end up collecting in full. So, you know, this can be done by identifying specific invoices that management knows that they're not going to get or taking an estimate based on historical analysis of what's been collectible in the past and what hasn't like an average amount. And, you know, the, the best way to have a more accurate valuation of your receivables is to record an allowance for doubtful accounts to account for the fact that, you know, not 100% of receivables, at least for a lot of companies, will end, end up getting fully collected, unfortunately. So, but that that allowance for doubtful accounts is an estimate. So it should be periodically evaluated and adjusted accordingly at a very minimum at year end. So, that makes sense. Yeah. Eric, can I ask you, before we go on to some of the other topics, wh- when we talk about year end, and I know it varies for every company, but what's the good time to start? Is it end of November? Is it December? Like, what do we, what do we mean by year end? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, there are definitely like th- this doesn't, this process does not have to begin, you know, right just after the year ends on January 1st, you know, some of, some of this, this work, you know, management can, can get a head start on, you know, like the receivables, you know, and some of these other items that we're going to discuss, it can begin this process before we get to, to year end. Some of this, some of these steps can be identified beforehand and start really thinking about in December. I would say in December is a good time to start thinking about some of these, you know, before you do get to January, which is, you know, oftentimes can be the busiest time of the year from an accounting standpoint. So that's a good point. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. The next category I had was an evaluation of prepaid expenses. I'll say, you know, for, for this category, you know, because there can be a lot of have, you can have a lot of vendors where you're in long-term contracts that need to be allocated over time, you know, sometimes over a, a year and sometimes even longer it's good to just go through the list that you have and make sure, you know, there were no modifications to any of them and they're all still accurate in terms of the amount and the the period of time that it's covering. So one thing I also do is, you know, I, I try to assess, were there any contracts that just ended, you know, and if there were any that just ended, is that contract going to be renewed, mm-hmm. you know, and if if it hasn't been renewed yet, it's something to, you know, to ask management, hey, this one ended, is it going to be renewed? 
we haven't received a bill for it yet. Do you have any estimate? So you can at least accrue an estimate if you have not received, you know, the actual bill or amount yet. You're anticipating before before it comes in. So. Okay. Are are you suggesting to any of your clients to use any kind of tools or accounting software that helps them to track these expenses? I personally like the schedule. I have a, a good Excel schedule that's set up for the, you know, for tracking that I, that I personally like to use. I do it that way. I wouldn't say like a specific software, you know, it works, it at least works for what I, what I use in terms of being able to organize the amount and the, the time frame and, you know, the amortization over each month that you can easily see and identify. So, okay. The next point I had was fixed assets reconciliation. So, a common thing that can kind of slip through the cracks is, you know, a company can get rid of an item that they once had capitalized as a fixed asset, but sometimes you get rid of something, but you don't actually record it as a disposal and make the applicable removal out of fixed assets and accumulated depreciation. And, you know, if that's done before it's been fully depreciated, there could potentially be a loss on fixed assets or even a gain for companies that resell fixed assets. I know I, I have one client that they actually do resell laptops to employees that depart. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if they can keep a detailed list and compare to what they still have on hand, that's, that's a, a good practice as well. Okay. So I, I also identified accounts payable, you know, moving on to liabilities, you know, the accounts payable is, is one of the important areas, you know, because depending on the company, you know, they can have a lot of a long listing of bills and vendors that comprise the payable section. So it, it, it's good practice to have management review that, particularly at year end, as, you know, assess which bills are over 90 days past due and why they haven't been paid or resolved. And, you know, they, they may have determined that there are some bills they may no longer owe for one reason or another. And some bills that may have been negotiated down that should have vendor credits applied so that those can be adjusted accordingly. So, yeah. So and that's just reaching out to those vendors or? Or know. management, just, you know, just kind of following up with them and saying, hey, you know, you have these bills that are old, what's, what's you know, what's the story with it? And, you know, sometimes there is something like, oh, we're negotiating, we're negotiating this and it, it we, we don't want, no longer owe it or we don't owe, you know, it's been written down. So it's good to make the, to catch that and make sure that you've valued payables more accurately. But what are um, some ways that you can do an analysis on the income statement? The income statement. So, yeah, so the income statement, this is something that should, should again, be done every month, but with, you know, year end, again, there's just a higher level of scrutiny. It's really good practice to compare individual income accounts month by month during the year. And even a comparison of the last few years to identify fluctuations and, you know, and then ask, are the fluctuations consistent with expectations with what occurred with the business? And hopefully they make sense and can be explained. But if there's a fluctuation that management deems to be inconsistent or can't be easily explained, it's good practice to kind of drill down into the detail and identify what's the source of that, that fluctuation. And sometimes, you know, that, that can, this can uncover an error, like either a miscoded transaction or, you know, 
a cost or bill that should have been prepaid or accrued and allocated over, you know, a specified period of time. So, yeah. That, that makes sense for sure. And then balance sheet account support. Again, this is the same theme, which I've kind of discussed, but reconciling each balance sheet account, which, you know, we've, we've talked about a few of them, it really should be done part of the monthly close process throughout the year. But, you know, with shorter time periods to close, we don't always have the luxury of being able to review each balance as extensively. So that's why with, with the extra time, it's best to peel back and ask additional questions to assess, you know, is that ending balance and everything that comprises the total, is it all valid? Is it and accurately stated? So, you know, I, I do kick back more questions to my clients at your end, you know, just to make sure that these accounts are stated in the way that they're, they, they should be and are accurate. Okay. And I know the, the last thing that you have on your list is the 1099 vendor assessments. And, and as companies that have a lot of contractors, this can be a, a big task. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This uh, this is especially tough because, you know, especially like I said, January, that's our busiest time. And, you know, a lot of companies can be scrambling after year end to turn it around to get to meet that filing requirement, uh, which is, you know, at the end of January. Yep. It's just one month. So really the, the best practice is whenever a company does business with a new individual or a service vendor, it's good throughout the year to do this process and not save it for the end to request that they sign and return a W-9 form, which can be found on the IRS website. And, you know, e even if they don't return it right away, you know, we make sure to try to stay on them and re request it since we will need it eventually to file the 1099. So, you know, it's good to collect those, those, W9s, you know, save them in an easily accessible place. You know, I, a lot of our a lot of our clients use bill.com for their payables or you know, softwares like that where we have the database of vendors, we have a place to to save them so they're all organized and easily accessible and where we can upload them and and that way we have them all ready to go and at the end of the year, the easy part is just I, you know, identifying them and the amounts, but the hard part is, you know, having to rely on the individual or vendor to send it to us. So to avoid having to chase it down, just do this process throughout the year. I, I mentioned earlier, like a, a lot of these categories, you can start before year end. This is really, this is the one category, which is really ongoing throughout the year to do. So. Right. Is there for the 1099 vendors, is there a a best practice on, you know, once you've received their their W-9 form, how often should they be updating it? You know, I know obviously it's maybe people move or addresses change, but is there a guideline on how often you should be re-requesting these? That's true. You know, that that is something that you can, you know, once a year kind of follow up and check in on to see if if, you know, any information has changed. I think it is good to at least, you know, you have you have all the the record of all the ones that you filed with before to once a year ask if there's been any changes or if they've moved. And that is good practice. So but yeah, otherwise, at least hopefully the, the rest of the information like their uh, tax IDs is the same. So, you know, that's the most crucial, crucial part. So right. especially yeah. since, 
you know, the address is also helpful, but the, you know, as, if you have an email, you can also e-file them as well. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Well, Eric, it seems like, like you just said, one of the key themes that we're finding in a lot of these areas is, you know, start early, you know, and so that you don't have to scramble later on to get all of these tasks completed. But I really appreciate you taking the time to discuss this with our listeners today. Sure. Yeah. And thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And thank you to our listeners for joining us on this episode. And we hope you'll catch us on another one of Take Me to the Cloud. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Take Me to the Cloud. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to be alerted of new episodes. For more information, visit witham.com.